1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bengal Tiger on three podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni. And joining me once again is Shay Dixon uh, for this post game uh, kind of instant reaction, but also t- like 11 hours, 10 hours after the game. But, you know, the game was in New Orleans, so there was no way of us doing it right after the fact. Um, but, Shay, uh, I'm I'm still at a loss for words as to what we saw. LSU loses 24 to 23 on a blocked extra point. But, even leading up to that, the uh, entire fourth quarter was mayhem. And I don't really know where to start, but what what are your overall thoughts right now? how what How you feeling?
0: Uh, I mean, I guess I could play like a little Monday morning quarterback in different departments, but I want to start off by saying this. And I said this all off season. I said this when I picked them to go either seven and five or eight and four. We talked about kind of being on that fence a lot. You and I both, Matthew, we both kind of rode that exact same win-loss in our mind. Where we were wrong was we both thought they would beat Florida State. They didn't. They need to go now and beat a team. I had them losing to Mississippi State. They need to win that game. There is still a path to go seven and five, eight and four, whatever it might be, no matter how sloppy they looked in the first half. I knew that. I knew that this was a possibility and I don't think anyone's waking up today saying, or shouldn't be saying Brian Kelly's sure to never been Scott Woodward's retire or this team, you know, isn't, doesn't have a chance to still win some games down the stretch. I mean, Brian Kelly even said it, don't put too much stock into how we look in week one. We're going to continue to look better as we, as the year goes on. He said that a lot of times during fall camp. Yeah. This team, we went to the bowl game. Me, Matthew, we, we know how it was. They had 39 scholarship players. You do not snap your fingers and take more transfers than anyone in college football, more than Ole Miss, more than USC. LSU took the most. They basically started a brand new O-line. They started a new quarterback. They didn't have John Emery. They had a ton of new starters on defense. You had, what, two new – three new coordinators – a new head coach, nine of 10 new on-field staffers. It's impossible to marry, in my mind, to marry all that together in week one. You did not have a week zero game. There was no tune-up game against DeCaine where you kind of got a feel for everything. So the result of losing doesn't shock. They didn't lose 49 to nothing. I don't think Florida State's all that great. I don't think LSU's all that great. I didn't think... I don't think much differently of LSU now than I did 24 hours ago. I just don't. I thought they would probably look pretty sloppy that it would take a while to break things in. And that was the case where, and I knew that there would be some deficiencies. We can get into all this. I'm rambling, but I thought corner would be a massive issue for them. The corners played really well. I thought they actually played pretty well, especially down the stretch. Mm -hmm. I thought that the, I didn't think the O-line would be as bad as they were. I thought the D-line would get a little bit more pressure than they did. So there were areas that I was worried about that they did well in. There were areas that I kind of glossed over that they actually didn't do well in at all. But the point remained the same. I thought that this was a 7-5 and looking team, 8-4 and maybe at best. Where I lose it last night, if I'm a fan, if if I'm in the media and then I have to pick what what I see and is inexcusable – is just put it down to the last – there's a million things we can break down. Yeah, They lost the game at the end because they could not kick an extra point successfully to go to overtime, an extra point from a yard away, what, two yards away. Yeah. You snap the ball, you kick it. How many times do we ever watch college football? Now, it's automatic. It's automatic. That's it. When you watch it, Matthew, we'll see games where – I'm sure you've watched some North Texas ball out there where they've missed an extra point. It's yeah. because the snap was too high. The hole missed it down. They shanked it, yeah. whatever. You had two blocking assignment botched extra points. This isn't on Damian Ramos, the kicker. People were, okay, well, he could have kicked it higher, his trajectory. Maybe it's also his first game out there. Brian Polian is in charge of putting the guys out there on the, off- on the line to block the guys who are coming to block the extra point. We're not talking about a field goal, extra point. They, they effed it up once. Then they did it again. Like that is next level stupidity. Same with Malik neighbors back there. That's a head game at that point. Like he clearly won the job as a return man because he could catch the football back there. He muffs it or drops it. FSU gets it. He's in his head now. Then you put him back there again in his first game playing as a return man with a minute or what, two minutes left. That's yeah. on the special teams coach as much as it is on neighbors to me. So yeah. I immediately react to the fact that somehow through all the bad play, and we, you know, we'll pick it apart in whichever way in different podcasts or on the board, but they could have won the game or could have tied the game, sent it to overtime – and didn't because they couldn't do the things that college football gives you for free. It's an extra point. It's not hard. Yeah. And they couldn't get the blocking assignments down either. You didn't give them enough looks and practice to know what gaps they might hit and who needs to block who, or you had guys out there. And I, I'm not going to name names here. You can go look it up on the internet. You can go watch the film, whatever the guys on the left side of the line who were part of these snafus were true freshmen. What are you doing? Why do you have true freshmen out there on your extra point stuff, especially if there's indications that it wasn't going well for you? So if I'm an LSU fan, I love the fight. I didn't like some things. like I didn't like Keishon Butte. He seemed lackadaisical at times, but I hated special teams. It was awful. Yeah.
1: There's a few points you hit on there, and I, I think we'll start with the, the overall season outlook. Um, point that you made in that it doesn't it shouldn't change too much at least for us being in my eight win prediction i literally lead off saying seven wins would still be a really impressive season for this team like I, that's my first sentence basically in, in my prediction and for obviously on three uh, bengal tiger tiger subscribers uh, you got all of our predictions you got all of all of our content La- a lot of the stuff we talk talk about on this podcast we'll have written about last night right and so from an overall season perspective, for me, it if the only thing it changes is this team's ceiling. Because obviously, when you go into a, a season, you're like, okay, there's this range, right? For uh, some people, they had them at nine, nine wins potentially, right? Um, just based off talent. Well, I think, I've, well, I've, I think to me, that's immediately cut out the door. Your ceiling is now eight max, and for me, it's probably seven. And if you reach seven, to me, it's still a very, very successful season. So that's the first thing from a general season outlook perspective. That's where I'm at with it. It's still Brian Kelly's first year. The win-loss record, as long as you get to six and then a bowl, you know, seven, somehow if you can get to seven, it's, 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 a, it's a success most likely. The thing that, um, and then you bring up special teams, and I thought you laid it out well because you kind of read my mind in a sense. It's not just that Malik neighbor's, dropped two punts it's not just that they blocked two kicks um and damien ramos 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 uh for the record made the only field goal that he got off uh in that game and obviously the extra points but it felt like they had never been in those pressure environments before and that's what coaching is about right you want to put your players in the throughout fall camp in situations that are going to be similar enough or they're going to be pushed in a way that they are going to be in the game we saw that on two fronts and we'll there's a lot we can talk about here but special teams showed that especially where it didn't feel like they knew what to expect in this environment the second place that that showed because i don't i mean there's not a lot more to talk about special teams but i mean you hit the nail on the head if you're a fan you have to look at brian Pole and be like what did you do all fall camp because you can't you can't receive punts. You can't. Uh, Jay Bramble had a great punt and then he had a, one go out of bounds. It's like there's just continuous mistakes. And so that that aspect of it, special teams, we could beat that to death forever. But that's a huge, huge thing. That's where I wanted to start. But the other aspect of this game where it felt like North, uh, LSU was not prepared and was not maybe adequately assessed was on the offensive line, which you you kind of uh, alluded to. It didn't feel like. It, it didn't feel like this offensive line that we had seen and heard throughout fall camp was coming together. Had plenty of talent. They were just shuffling guys in and out because they have so much depth. You know, Anthony Bradford, Cam Wire coming in and out, uh, Tremont Shorts, Miles Frazier. It looked like a group that wasn't ready. And so I will I'll throw it to you for what you think about the offensive line's play, but for me, the offensive line dictated what this offense could and could not do. And that leads to other things in the run game and the pass game which I'll get to in a second, but just overall, the the offensive line was by far my biggest concern on
0: offense. And the best offensive lineman probably is a true freshman playing left tackle on Campbell. He got beat some, but there was a reason, and Jared Burst played amazing for Florida State. So I'm not shocked that a guy like that got over on Will Campbell a time or two. It's his first game. I love Will Campbell. I think he's got a great future. But there's still a reason that they moved Jared Burst then over to the other side, and he just abused Cam Wire yeah. to the point where they were trying to figure out, like, okay, we got to get him out of the game. we got to get somebody new in. Anthony Bradford got pulled. You, There was a point you were sitting there cutting up we're sitting in the press box and Matthew's sitting next to me and he's always got the game cut up where he can kind of like go back and cut up gifts, I guess, or however, you know, the plays, and then you see him tweet them out or put them on the board, whatever. So he's cutting them up. There were times where Anthony Bradford got out of his stance and just didn't touch anybody. And they ran right by him. We knew that Garrett Dellinger as a first time center would have some bad snaps. We got to watch practice. It happened. It happened last night. He eventually cleans it up a little bit. We don't see a ton of it, but still, there were some times where Jaden Daniels saved him and other where it went beyond him and they had to settle for the field goal in the first drive. So I knew all these little parts like Dellinger, a true freshman left tackle, I knew all that was there. They were still worse as a collective unit than I thought they'd be. And
1: Jaden Daniels
0: said a lot of that was probably that uh, what they had watched to Florida State on film wasn't. A lot of the looks they saw last night they said they mixed it up a good bit uh so credit to fsu they did some things to throw lsu off you got to figure out a way to put that film on prep for southern get past southern get ready for mississippi state and have them more well prepared to for them to be able to execute i i, I still think o-line is one of the spots that they can be coached better they can execute better and they can begin to play better as the season goes on like i don't look at that and say all of them are so awful that they literally will never block anybody all season like that won't be the case but it was a little bit more worrisome than i thought it would be coming up they have more work to do there than i thought they had
1: well the thing is is last year we were we were in the same boat where early in the season the offensive line was was very very shaky if not bad at times and last year they had four nfl offensive linemen on it and so we continue to bring in you know it it continues to be talented players coming in for lsu on the offensive line at the end of the day if you're brad davis and you're brian kelly now at this point we have you have to start seeing results i mean this is year two of brad davis and last year four nfl offensive linemen this year a five-star left tackle, two big-time transfers, Garrett Dellinger's healthy at center. And I know some of these guys are young, but at some point you have to start seeing results here. And that that was a huge, huge concern because it completely changed the complexion of this offense. The receivers, which, I mean, I think were hit or miss. You mentioned Boutte. Uh, I, I thought, you know, some other guys were – Dre Jenkins obviously had, was probably had probably the best game. Uh, some guys were, were fine, but the pass game was non-existent because they he didn't have time. And then you can say Jaden Daniels dropped his eyes early, but I would be dropping my eyes early too if I knew I had like two two seconds, two and a half seconds, and then boom, you're gone.
0: And, and that's your thing. If anybody, and I'll pick up on Jaden Daniels right after this, but anybody who's saying that... Like Jay Daniels, all he did was tuck and run. You knew he was a tuck and run quarterback. You knew he's a guy who likes to use his legs. When your O line is not blocking anybody, you become that even more. Like you're more quick to do that. So I wasn't surprised Jaden was tucking and running a lot in the first half. And a lot of the times it actually worked because he had no time. And that's the quarterback he like he is a quarterback who can run for a hundred and something yards, like we saw. Yeah. When a guy has no line, he's going to be more quick to do that. So, yeah, I'd, I'm not shocked by that.
1: Yeah. And uh, not for nothing, Florida State, uh, Brian Kelly mentioned after the game, the way Florida State was was playing them, they had their back turned to Daniels a lot, a lot of the time. And so he did the right thing. He made those runs. And the entire first half, I turned to um, Peter, our um, contributor on, on the site, and I'm like, what was the positive of that half? And he's like... Daniel's legs. And I was like, yeah, that's the only option you have because in the first half, I mean, Mason Smith goes down with an injury and we, we hope that it's not as bad as it looked. I, um, was it was not good. Yeah. Good that's, to
0: that's um, we have not gotten news on that, but Brian Kelly said he would have an MRI today, but Mason was in crutches and tears on the sidelines. So yeah.
1: That's... Yeah. So, so again, the first half is like a blur where LSU scores three points. Um, but somehow are still in the game. It's a one possession game. Second half they come out and it's they don't score a touchdown until eight seconds left in the in the third quarter. It felt like the game's over when it was seventeen to three. They somehow bring it back, and all of this to say is Jaden Daniels' legs, even on that final drive, were pretty much the reason that LSU had any semblance of hope in that game. Like it wasn't he Kayshawn on the side, right there on an on in-breaking route, Kayshawn didn't turn his head. The safety was right. He was just looking at the safety. And, I mean, there's multiple evident uh, instances where Jaden Daniels, to me, made the right play, and the result wasn't what you wanted. But it's not for Daniels um, making the wrong decision, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, look I'll tell you what Jay, Daniels' final number is. 26 of, 26 of 35, so – 35 passes, he hits on 74% of them. If you're in the 62-3 and range and above, you've had a good night. Like, LSU fans, you knew you had a quarterback last year and the year before that, you will take 74 yards completions. Nobody was out there throwing the ball behind their back in the opener to a guy down the field. Like, there was quarterback play the past couple of seasons that was atrocious. Like you cannot have Joe Burrow every year. That's not going to happen. Jane Daniels was good enough last night for them to win this football game. Certainly to go to overtime, let a 99 yard drive, but 74% completions, 114 of the 139 rushing yards, basically all of them, meaning the running game was literally non-existent. Noah Kane. Seven for 23, Goodwin, five for 14, Williams, one for two. That's not good at all. Not good at all. They clearly missed John Emery. You can say, I haven't watched the film. The O line had to have created a hole at one point that somebody could run through, but it was just a bunch of three yard carries. That's all it was. So Jaden had to do all that. He accounted for all but like 30 of the team's yards. I mean, what they had. Yeah. Was, yeah, whatever that yeah, whatever okay, that math long, would long. be. Uh 139 from one fourteen. So that's he essentially did everything on the offense. And then you look at receiver, Jure, as you said, played a really great, you know, really solid game, caught both touchdowns, caught the touchdown at the end. Jure caught all five of his targets. I'm looking at the uh yeah, the stat sheet now for people on the YouTube who see me looking down. Okay, Jure caught all five of his targets. Brian Thomas, who I thought played great, caught all five of his targets. Mason Taylor, true freshman, caught five of his six targets. Malik, who drops the two punts, catches all five of his targets. Lacey, Taylor, Cole Taylor, Jack Besh, who I'm not sure why didn't have more than one target, and Armani Goodwin, all each caught their one targeted pass. Tayshawn, six targets, two catches, and fewer yards than anybody else that caught multiple passes. That's inexcusable for your best player. Like this is supposed to be the best receiver in the country. Yeah. He looked to me totally tuned out. You already mentioned the play. He's at the goal line. Like you have got to think, like Jaden's going to be looking at it for me. Jaden hits him right in the numbers, and Keishawn never even looked up. Like they threw to him on the very first play of the drive of the game down in the end zone. He could have, you know, you're making a play to score a touchdown. It's a, on a kind of kind of 50 50 ball. So. Mm-hmm there was a time he was open jaden took a minute to get there but then he comes back what i don't know if it was the final driver the one before him hits him right in the chest and it goes right through his arms and he drops it because he sees somebody come and it was it was it was awful like and then on top of like malik neighbors you can say oh it was awful he dropped two catches but then when he actually was out there it looked like he cared like he was in tears coming off after the second muff punt he gets out and catches all five of his targets. Like, Kayshawn is more talented and didn't do any of that. Like, it yeah. just looked like he did not care at all. I don't know what the issue is there. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know if he's just in his head and it's one game or whatever it might be. It could be hell that he hasn't played in a live football game in, like, a year. He got hurt, what, four games into last year's season. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what it is. It could be a myriad of factors, but – He is the most talented player on your offense, and he was by far the biggest liability at receiver last night. Like, that should never happen.
1: I think talking to him over the fall camp when they had player availability, which was, this was, what, two, three weeks ago at this point, the biggest thing that stood out was his hesitancy to – say that he's a hundred percent like there was still coming off that injury. It was clear that he was still mentally fighting to get back to where he was. And that might be an excuse to a lot of people that might be saying, Oh, you know, he's out there playing football. You got to go make plays. And I, I agree with all that, but there's a mental hurdle. I feel like athletes have when they have to come back from injuries. And for some, it's harder than others. And when you don't make those plays early in the game, and that hurdle still there. Then you have, man. I really don't feel 100. I I missed when I last year when I was had those three touchdown games and I felt 100. percent You just don't feel it. And then things start going wrong. And then things start to pile on each other. And then you lose the game in that fashion. And you didn't, you know, didn't really contribute. And here you are wearing the number seven on your chest in in the in the, in the uh, Caesar Superdome. In front of all these fans, and you didn't deliver on national TV, and then you go on to, on Instagram and delete all your LSU posts. It's like it just comes. Did you not hear about
0: that? Yeah, I saw it. I oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, again, it's 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 just like the mental hurdle side of it. I feel like is not being uh, talked about enough in that. So it's just a bunch of things piling up on top of each other. I'm interested to see how he bounces back. I think he will bounce back. But it is a hurdle you still have to clear in that respect. So, uh, the bigger thing for me and the bigger reason why I think Kayshawn has to bounce back for this team is because the vertical passing game it was non existent. The the down the field, even the intermediate throws, how many 15 plus yard throws did we see? I can't remember. Oh, I mean, no, they had just- the one over the top to Butte that was called pass interference, I think. Um, they had the other shot to boot. Yeah, that was
0: like the first drive of the game, basically. Yeah, but they
1: had – I think there were two to booté, and I can't think of another one other than those. I, I might be forgetting one. But, like, literally, it, the vertical pass game has to be better with this receiving core. And that's my biggest thing with Denbrock is it felt like coming throughout fall, he was going to play 12 personnel. They were going to, you know, run the ball, running quarterback, you know, take what the defense gives them. And I need him to push the ball down the field more. At some point, which again comes back to the offensive line protecting, but it's a whole offensive problem right now.
0: I um yeah, I think coordinator wise, I'll go quick here. They've got three of them: special teams, Poley and F, the yeah. Matt House, and Den Brock, I'm not sure. I, I don't know yet because I don't Matt House. In the was, D range probably. Yeah, well, the defense. Certainly early on, it was kind of like, what are half the time? It was kind of, what are they doing? It, it was your D line isn't getting the pressure that you thought they would. You weren't getting pressure unless you were bringing extra men. He clearly got disappointed to the linebackers, his room, to the point that we were seeing weeks and fields yeah. to transfer what redshirt freshmen, second year players, year players. who yeah. in theory were like third on the depth chart out there getting a real run because he didn't like what he was getting out of, whether it was Penn or whether it was Mike Jones or, you know, whomever he had in the linebacker at the time, we got down to like the third team guys. And I thought Jay Ward and Major – I thought Major Burns had a great game. And I thought Jay Ward and Major Burns together looked good enough after the first couple of drives where things were in sync, there wasn't miscommunication, they were lining it up. I talked to Major Burns after the game. And he said, look, me and Jay Ward were, like, lockstep. Like, after we got settled in, we didn't have – like, the corners were never in the wrong spot. We were setting guys up correctly, and we felt really good about that. The D-line, which is supposed to be the strength, just didn't play that – now, granted, like, Ali Gay headbutted somebody in one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Kicked out, deservedly so, from yeah. your captain. Like, no, like what? Yeah. It wasn't out there. Mason Smith wasn't out there, got injured. Ojulari had an awesome game. That guy's a, a first-round pick, in my opinion. Yeah. But D-line just didn't have that great game that you thought that they would. Linebackers, I thought would like I thought Mike Jones and Greg Penn would be good, and you could bring Harold Perkins along. And like linebackers didn't look insanely great. Obviously, House was rotating them a lot to try to yeah. find something that worked. And the DBs, which I actually was most worried about, ended up like playing some of the best. But schematically, with House. I don't know where we're – I haven't rewatched the game. I don't know kind of how it went for them. Offensively, I thought, like, Denbrock would just call a more creative game. Uh, I don't know where that falls off. Now, look, it could be when they decided to go up-tempo, they obviously had a lot more success. Well, if you're, like, diving into the film and you're in the coaching staff and you've got the all-22 and you actually know what's going on in the headsets and are privy to everything, well, maybe it's the reality that Matt House's defense literally could not get a third down stop. So do you turn around and go up tempo all game and risk the point. Hey, we might be on the field for 30 seconds here and get a three and out. And then we need our defense to go back out there who is just on the field for six minutes or whatever, because they can't stop anybody on third down. Like, I don't know what the give and take between the two sides of play calling is. I thought there was, as you said, see what all we mean is there's certainly something to be left desired. I don't need to know what's going on in the headset to see they weren't that crisp defensively with play calling. They weren't that creatively offensively with play calling. And as you said, they they lack things going down the field, pushing the football down the field with, um, you know, the receivers they have, whatever it might be, a run game that yeah. exists beyond Jaden Daniels tucking it and running it. Like half of them weren't even designed runs. It was, hey, I'm getting a read. It's in my head that the O-line isn't blocking anybody tonight. Like I'm tucking it now and I'm getting some C-yards. And, It worked and it bailed them out of a lot of situations. So we'll see going forward with both kind of both those spots. But it it also takes me back to there's a lot of years where the only coaching staff change would be a coordinator. And then you come out the first month of the season and everyone's like, this ain't working or this is going to take a bit for them to get settled in. Like they look super rusty. Again, LSU replaced nine of the 10 field coaches and all three coordinators and the head coach like I'm not surprised that it didn't look all that crisp. So offensively, defensively, I'm fine. Special teams, I'm not fine. Special teams, the issues that happened last night, most notably protection issue blocks, are coachable things, especially for someone who's been coaching a long, long time, who has been a head coach before, who's coached special teams as his calling card. That was inexcusable. Like, that's inexcusable. Yes, and yeah, so F, F. The yeah. other two, we'll see. I'm the jury's out. I, I the think there's out. probably a, a lot of factors that went into how each of those two things played out.
1: Oh, uh, I'll, I'll end it on a positive note. All of this that we just talked about for 28 minutes, and they still arguably could have won the game, or at least pushed it to overtime, or gone for two, and maybe
0: okay, okay, let's in the there. You, were you going for two?
1: I didn't tell you anything at the time, so I, I can't – like if, gonna, if, if I really thought it, if I really 100% believed it, I would have nudged you all the time. like, they should go for two, 100%. Yeah. But, I, and I don't like I doing hindsight. Them, so. I can't
0: fault them for kicking an extra point because it's a free point. Yeah. You should get it, and you can make the argument – I can make the argument both ways. Go for two because you had no chance, no business being in that football game. Yeah and the football gods gifted you a, you know, the chance to be in it, you just had a 99-yard drive, just go for it. Or the other part would be kick the extra point and go to OT. You've got Florida State on the ropes. They've got no momentum. They just
1: money. completely
0: squandered the game, and now you're the one who's feeling like the aggressor. So I'm fine with either way. I'm not at all going to fault them and say, like, you should have gone for two. Like, no, you should have blocked the right people on an extra point. That's Yeah. That's, I, yeah. that's not that, an argument. I could go either way with that and I'm fine. They, I don't man. I don't care about either of the decisions.
1: Oh man, look, I try to I try to make a positive and Shea brings it back to negative. See this it's is it's not negative.
0: I'm just I'm... saying I'm just saying <laughs> let here I'll give you a positive. I'll repeat the same thing we did to start this podcast, to start last week's, to start the one before that. This is a team Bro, they got housed, not housed in the Texas Bowl by Kansas State, like 50 to 10, and we're starting John Trey on the quarterback. Like, there was a lot to rebuild this offseason. Yes. I, did, I thought that this would be a close game. Vegas, I thought they would win 27-24. They lost 24-23. Yeah. I was wrong. Wasn't that wrong. They didn't keep, beat 50 to nothing out there. So, yeah. I like their fight. I loved the fight, especially late. Like you said it, they had no business being in the game in different spots where it was like, all right, like we just muffed another punt and they're at the three yard line now. And they're just going to kneel it out. And like it is what it is. Just like, let them like, let them score whatever. But the defense buckles in and FSU shoots themselves in the foot and toss, dies it and fumbles the football. And then you drive 99 yards. Like, there was some real fight out there that I like to see. The reality just remains the same reality that I knew before that game. This is a bunch of dudes from a bunch of different teams that they put onto one team with whatever tigers they had left and brought in a bunch of new coaches and said, go out there and try to rebuild this program. I didn't think they were going to go out there and like, look, like they weren't Georgia kicks everyone's teeth in because they've, are a program that is well-established, that is now like however many years into Kirby. Yeah, look how long it took Kirby Smart to do that. Getting top classes ever. Yeah, you remember the narrative when it was Kirby will never win a big game. Kirby can't win big games. Kirby will never win a big game. Well, then then they win some big games. Then they win a natty. Then they have no trouble at all brushing aside a number 11 team in the country by beating them 150 to nothing. Like LSU ain't that. They're not, and they're not going to be this year, and they are pr- not going to be next year. This is a rebuild. That's why Scott Woodward fired a head coach who's two years removed from national championship because he saw a roster that was down to thirty nine guys and a program that was trending in the wrong direction. Like they're not. I don't. You can't look at this loss, and fans shouldn't the same way you were looking at losses and frustrated at the end of the, of the last era. I'm not going to go back and revisit it all, but this is totally different. This is now understanding they didn't have a lot. They had to retool the whole roster. You have to break in some coaches, and now you're building in the right direction. I'm Brian Kelly. I'm still – long-term, I'm there for. But last night, obviously, was a sucky way to start for fans. But that's fine. I didn't think this team was going to be that good. It just kind of is what it is. There you go. (laughs) That's a positive. Um, I didn't think they were yeah. going to be good, and then they weren't that good. That's a positive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. The, um, I, I agree. I, I agree with what you said. It's the, 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 for the fact this team had a chance speaks to the, the fight, the buy-in, and I think from that perspective, for the defense to get a stop, right, before the neighbors muff punt at the end, right, the defense to get a stop, then he muffed the punt, and then they get another stop.
0: How um, about it? Yeah.
1: Albeit handed to them in a way, but another stop, I mean, there's there is potential here. I like you said the Mississippi State game becomes very,
0: very, very important. I had them beating scared. Florida State, and losing to Mississippi State. and I think Mississippi State is a good team. I think Mississippi State's a better team than Florida I, I know State. you're in on that. So yeah. now they need to go and steal a game that I did not think they were gonna win. And then you can Back on the path of 7-5, and five, or, or maybe 8-4, or I doubt it, but maybe 6-6. Six and six. But you're right. The, for me, the floor doesn't change as much as the ceiling did last yes. night, unless they can go steal another game.
1: Yeah. Um, real quick, just before we wrap it up, uh, the schedule does look very intimidating now with Florida beating Utah and Anthony Richardson looking the way he did and Mississippi State looking the way that they did, Arkansas taking care of Cincinnati. I mean, those are games have- that –
0: I had them losing to all three of those teams. This, okay. We'll Got go, to just... go win one of them now. Got to beat Mississippi State, I think. That's your easiest win. Out
1: of yeah, those. At games. home. At home. But all right. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed uh, this episode. Um, what an insane game. That's just the word I've been using a lot is insane. I just can't really fully grasp everything that I watched last night, good and bad. So. I uh, hope y'all enjoyed the game. If y'all were there, um, go hey, ahead. you
0: know it's you know crazy. Shout out! Last season, the regular season ended with Jaree scoring a touchdown to beat Texas A&M. Basically, as time expired, yeah. begins with Jaree catching the lone two touchdowns, including one as time expired. He's the only senior in that room. If you want to be down on Keishawn Butte and you expected more, or whatever, give some love to Jaree. I mean, that's a veteran leader for you who's delivered for you in the clutch now in some back-to-back games, if you're not yep. counting the bowl game. Yeah. I, him. And... I thought he had a good oh, – Brian Thomas had a great game. I think John... yeah. Jack Besh needs to be more involved. I still like a lot of the pieces, and some of the pieces I have question marks on, no different than I was a day ago.
1: Exactly. 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 We could go for, for two hours – but we're going to have a mailbag episode um, tomorrow where our whole schedule is pushed back, obviously, because the game was on Sunday. So, usually, we would have a reaction podcast either right after the game or on Sunday, a mailbag on Monday, and a recruiting show on Tuesday. Instead, all of that's pushed back a day. So, the plan is obviously recruiting show Wednesday, mailbag Tuesday, reaction show Monday today um but you right. we hope you all enjoyed the episode leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening subscribe on the youtube page um we appreciate all of y'all support over there and then if you haven't already become a subscriber to the bengal tiger uh on three one dollar for an entire year uh not going to get a better deal than that i i promise you that i mean i'm texting my friends that i haven't talked to in a couple months and be like hey it's a dollar give me a dollar and just subscribe
0: and there you go so and they're north texas fans they're not even lsu fans they're you still signing up so
1: exactly so and if no they're signing up this
0: is for the actual lsu fans out there
1: <laughs> and there you go so yeah if you're an lsu fan one dollar uh you get billy and body shea dixon uh myself and peter brackett and yeah great coverage and we'll continue this is we're not even a week in. Shay. we're four days in isn't that crazy that's you know,
0: your overall record since moving here and covering the beat would now be six and eight.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that. It's, got, it's got to get better. Thank, thanks point. for that, Shay.
0: It's got to get better thank at some point, that. Matthew.
1: Um, all right. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we will talk to you all later. Um, and yeah, have a good one.